Legal news, information, and interviews from the South Carolina defense law firm, Collins & Lacey. Offering defense for construction, trucking, retail hospitality, professional liability, and more. The views expressed by guests are not necessarily that of the law firm, its management, or employees. This is The Legal Bench. And welcome to The Legal Bench. I'm Michael Burney, Director of Business Development for the Defense Litigation Team here at Collins & Lacey in Columbia, South Carolina. What can be helpful in painting a more accurate picture of trucking companies when they are involved in litigation? Collins & Lacey trucking attorney Rob Peel spoke with the CEO of Blue Wire, Stephen Bryan, and South Carolina Trucking Association CEO Rick Todd at the 2023 South Carolina Trucking Association's annual meeting. Here's their discussion. I'm here with Rick Todd and Steve Bryan at the South Carolina Trucking Meeting. Uh, Steve, kind of tell me what your company Blue Wire does. We started the business about three years ago. Four very experienced founder partners, uh, probably 125 years combined in the trucking industry, and we decided that if we gathered enough of and the right data backed by software process that we could perhaps bring new tools to the industry to help fight back against these reptile lawyers and their so-called reptile theory and the resulting nuclear verdicts that we've seen curse this industry now for gosh, the last 12, 13 years. Where are y'all based out of? Well, that's such a good question. We are a, uh, a, a very modern and 100% remote company. So we're, we're about a dozen employees and I think we're in 11 states. So I'm based in uh, Sun Valley, Idaho, and my partners are in um, in Pennsylvania, California, and Washington. And, and you mentioned a topic that's uh, uh, very germane to the South Carolina Trucking Association, which is nuclear verdicts and tort reform. Kind of what are your feelings about tort reform, I guess maybe nationwide, and then as specifically, what, what is your view and opinions of South Carolina and its quest for tort reform? Uh, certainly, look, tort reform is the answer. Right? That's how we ultimately win this, whether it's, and there's lots of different ways to approach that, right? I mean, you can cap damages, you can look at the process and make it a more level playing field in the courtroom, such as some of the things Texas and other places have done. So tort reform is important, and I know folks like Rick and other of the state association execs have it higher on their priority list, as they should, and it's a very worthy effort. Unfortunately, it's also a very long difficult road. So we see our role in this as supporting the industry while we try to advance that that tort reform needle. So specifically, what does Blue Wire do? You mentioned you you gather data, but more concretely, what do you mean by that? We measure the reputation of a trucking company and in fact of the whole industry. So these, these reptile theory attacks are intended to destroy the reputation. They, they look at the trucking company, they find in the data evidence that this company can be accused of being having less than a stellar safety culture. And that's the goal. If they can convince a jury that this motor carrier, this company, shows evidence in the data that they don't take safety as seriously as perhaps they should, the jury collapses and they get all angry and that's where the emotions come from and they reach dip into the purse. So really what Blue Wire is simply doing, we we think of ourselves in, in, in cybersecurity, there's a concept called a white hat hacker. So you can hire companies 
that will help you will actually attack you. They'll attack your firewalls and your database security and all these login things to see where your your defenses are weak. And then when they find them, they report them to you so that you can close those gaps before the bad hackers, the black hat hackers, show up. We think our role in this is identical. We are the white hat trial lawyers. So we use the same data. We're very good at it. We've been working with this data for decades. So we look at the data and say, if I were going to attack you, if I were going to sue you, here's what I would say. And we show them the, the, the trucking company and their insurance partners. We say, these are where you're vulnerable. This is where you need to focus your efforts and your resources before the crash, proactively, so that when the inevitable happens, you are prepared with a counter to this reputation uh, narrative that the trial lawyers spin up on you. Do you find that many trucking companies are that forward thinking to, to make the investment? No. <laughs> um, and and we really uh, we don't really sell direct to trucking companies. Our our partners in this are insurance. The insurance folks love it. It's a new way of looking at severity risk and measuring it for the entire industry. We essentially score seven hundred and fifty thousand motor carriers through the lens the Blue Wire has developed. So in a way, we're like a new kind of think of it as a credit score. But we're not scoring creditworthiness. We're scoring your susceptibility to these high-dollar uh, verdicts. Is your product used, I guess, when a company requests to be bound by insurance? Uh, yeah. So the way the way the insurance industry and they have the appetite from insurance has been huge. Um, that has really fueled our business. Um, just you know, we just launched our product over a year ago. We're a three-year-old company and spent the first two years in development. So in just over a year, uh, insurance has turned us profitable, has, has spread the word, and they are using us as a risk evaluation tool. So think about the, the underwriters, the insurance companies are looking at the Blue Wire score and how we're doing this for the entire industry. So they, you know, come renewal time, they're starting to ask questions about these vulnerabilities, how we can help you close them up. Uh, and in some cases, that affects pricing. You know, uh, the pricing, as you know, in insurance is completely insane and getting worse. So insurance companies are looking for new tools to evaluate the risk of these huge verdicts down the road. So insurance is using it that way. Brokers, brokers, captives, risk retention groups, um, excess insurance, reinsurance, all up and down the insurance stack is looking at us as a new way of, of evaluating motor carrier risk. Are you getting any kind of brushback from the from the motor carrier not cooperating with your recommendations? No, I wouldn't say so. I think, you know, for us to go out and pitch this to a motor carrier, yes. There's a lot of there's a lot of hey you know don't know if I want to see this Steve you know we put it into three categories there's there's overconfidence there's denial and then there is a rather troubling trend where we hear over and over that the motor carriers are telling us my defense attorney tells me not to look at this data because if I look at it and don't act I'm worse off than if I just ignored it I won't on, li on a live podcast get into my opinions of that argument, but uh, the, the level of overconfidence, got this, Steve, I don't need this, I know exactly what my data says about me, and just denial, ah, I got a better chance of winning the lottery, I'm, I'm fine. Those, those are what we hear from the motor carriers until 
the adult voice of insurance comes into the conversation. And then we find that it's a whole different conversation. Now the motor carriers are willing to say, okay, I need to improve. I need to work with my insurance partner and close these gaps. And we see very little pushback at that point. And I guess it sounds like your product is nationwide. Um, what are you kind of hearing about uh, the worst states to be a, a, a motor carrier in or have an accident yeah, in? Yeah, the judicial hell holes. Yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah, that's a huge part of the problem. That's actually an element of our scoring. We look at two things, the domicile of the motor carrier and also where are they experiencing these crashes. And those are two things that can make them susceptible to these particularly plaintiff-friendly venues. So we have, we have looked at data from groups like the American Tort Reform Association and ATRI and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce have all done pretty interesting work into where these, these hellhole locations are, these venues, and we incorporate that into our evaluation. So I'm sitting here thinking, I'm thinking of Georgia, New Mexico. Oh, yeah, Texas. Texas. Yeah, Pennsylvania, obviously Chicago, Illinois. Cook County. Yeah, Cook County. That's the place you don't want to be. No, you don't want to be there. <laughs> uh, what is that, where is South Carolina um, rate on that? Uh, it's, it's, it, I think it's in the upper, call it the upper quadrant for sure. Um, not one of the worst, but not one of the best. And why do you think that is? You know, I, I don't know. Rick, Rick can probably weigh in on the specifics of South Carolina. I'm not here every day like he is, so I don't know exactly. But I do have a kind of a, I don't know, uh, this, this is not legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. So okay. what I'm about to say, you can take with a grain of salt. But, you know, in the work we've done in the last three years, what, what I think we're fighting is more than just the the particular politics or the legislative priorities of a state. That's part of it, for sure. But there's a bigger societal movement, I think, that, that I don't hear much discussion about. So if you think about, you know, it asks you to think about a continuum, right? And if you have young, maybe you have younger children, you know, they're college age or they're just coming out into the workforce. And I, I would challenge people, ask them the question, what's your opinion of capitalism? Do you think it's a good thing? And I think that we, most people would agree the answer to that question is not pro-capitalism. It is going the other direction. Then you look at other factors. You look at things like social inflation, just the money, the dollars that get spent by the government and in entertainment and Hollywood and music. And it's staggering. We get numb to these things. So there's a number of these factors that all build up against us that fuel these trial lawyers. They are, the society is drifting towards a belief, income disparity, all these things play against us, and more and more people who find themselves on juries are predisposed to say, get the money out of that bad company. And that's a big problem that we fight that goes way beyond South Carolina or any other individual state. It's a, it's an American problem. It's a societal problem. Rick, what are your comments? That's pretty deep, right there. Yeah, I just I've been listening. It's very articulate, and uh, God, we could have a conversation all day long about what we've just broached so far. South Carolina, legislative specific, um, we have a, a a general assembly that you know represents itself or says it's conservative. Uh, the Republicans certainly hold themselves out as being pro business. By and large, they are. However with respect to dealing with 
reforms of our judicial system, our liability and tort system, lawsuit system. Uh, they're sitting on their hands, and they have been for a long time. They've just uh, it's perpetual deferral. And but if you look at every other agency of government in our state, they have reformed and you know delved deeply into oversight and done what they need to do. And there's a long list: port, DMV, DPS. We could, we could go on and on. And everybody knows we need some kind of judicial selection reform, judicial merit selection panel, rebalance that. Um, they haven't done that. Um, and since the toll court flipped from contributory negligence to what they purported would be the more fair doctrine of um, comparative negligence, the legislature has never properly codified a system uh, they failed to do that, and I think intentionally by the plaintiffs-oriented members of the General Assembly. So um, I think lawsuit reform or some reforms to our uh, statutory structure and establishing a good, fair system would go a long way. Judicial selection, reform improvements, and then that would level the playing field so that then we, we battle what we see tactically in the courtroom and move public opinion maybe a little bit more towards, hey, what you're really looking at is people pursuing windfall fees, you know, turning an accident into a lottery. And, you know, trucking, as your audience well knows, is uh, by and large a uh, an eclectic mix of industries, 95% um, in South Carolina of which own fewer than 10 trucks. So these are small businesses that are not sophisticated like a lot of the larger firms who have very systematic um, and complex risk management practices and procedures. And they do it as well as anybody can, can do it in a uh, totally out of control supply chain. The highway environment is the asphalt jungle. So you've got all these uncontrollable things and uh, truck drivers are dealing with this and living in that environment every day, and they can't control anything that goes on outside that truck, whether it's weather, road conditions, other, other vehicles, you name it. So, And then they're a target by windfall-seeking attorneys. Now, they want justice for their clients, of course, but they want to make as much money as they can. No, they want justice with a 40% fee. Yeah, and, you know, so I don't want to be the provocateur here, but... Um, I will. Well, and and, I'm, and you're a, really an observant, neutral party, but you see it from a different, completely well, different I'm angle. Not, I'm not neutral, Rick. I'm very pro-trucking. I'll be, well, be well, clear I don't, on yeah, that. Yeah, I don't but, mean that. I mean, you, know, you almost you almost couldn't have designed a more susceptible target for this growing, and it's growing. The American Bar Association will tell us there's about forty-six thousand new law school graduates every year. Every year. And that number's gone up with COVID. A lot of people went back, and oh, I'll go to law school. Um, and really interesting thing we're seeing is these top grads from places, the big schools, the Harvards of the world, where they all would have, with the choice jobs, gone to Wall Street, the big corporate firms. You know, they'd gone into corporate law. That's not what they're doing. They're going into plaintiff's work because of the money, 46,000 of them a year. So those are, that's just one more force that we're working against. Now you're in trying to change the minds of legislators while 46,000 people are looking for work. And they're not looking for the kind of work that we're much 
fans of. Yeah, I'm not that objective. I mean, I'm a paid advocate for motor carriers and, and represent the supply chain to a great extent. Very eclectic mix of industries all trying to work together. Um, the, other, the other, one of the other, sorry to cut you off, yeah. Eric. The other thing that I just think is so, you know, unfair is the, the amount of data collected about trucking companies is staggering. And you might say, well, you know, there's data collected on airlines and there's data collected at the OSHA level on big box retail stores and hospitals and medical care. But none of that's public. In the trucking industry, it's all collected by our friends at the FMCSA and by design laid out in the public domain. Anybody that wants to take a little bit of time to understand that data and use it uses it against us, and they have gotten brilliant at it. And juries do not understand the supply chain, and most of them have never been inside and driven a tractor-trailer. They don't know how it's really uh, just um, like in the port. We had the Port Authority, CEO Barbara Melvin, speaking a little while ago. Um, she's just a conductor of, of a symphony over which she has no control of the musicians. I mean, everybody just has to work together. She said together a hundred times today. And, you know, Rob, really, um, my opinion is, is um, you know, we've got a, a system that has over time intentionally, but just kind of because it's able to be manipulated um, and taken advantage of. Um, you've, we've created a perverse system which incentivizes going for the juggler in a mistake situation um you know because the lawyer wants the fee you want the person who's been harmed to be made as whole as as reasonable not get filthy rich off of it but you know do them justice um but then you've got all the tv advertising and and the constant marketing um and they've mischaracterized truck owners as profiteers over everything and, and really created a stigma, stigmatized professional truck driving. Um, and with all the societal attitudes and the, everybody wants as much money as they can get from wherever it comes from, it, we're a target industry. Um, and, and, and I'll go ahead and add on the, also the lack of civility and then the legal system is it, the civility is out the window. Um, they're not working toward, towards a common goal at this point. They're you know, just mean I, and vicious. I'm, a, you know, being a lobbyist, um, I have to represent the trucking association and keep our allies in the lobby working together. So I don't want to put myself out there as a pariah by criticizing, quote unquote, lawyers because we need lawyers. Our economy in the world now is so complex and sophisticated. We have to have lawyers for everything we want to do. Um, so we need them. But the ones that I'm fighting back against and, and targeting, let's say, are, you know, the ones who are really taking advantage of the system um, well beyond what its founders set it up to do. Um, they're trucker hunting and they're insurance gouging. And that's, that's the uh, social inflation that Steve was, was mentioning. Because pretty much everything is going to touch a trucker all or part of the way and an industry a sector which is so fundamental to every other for it to be so vulnerable then those excess costs that they're paying through the nuclear verdicts excessive settlements and then you add the 40 percent 
contingency fee on top of that. That is getting passed on to everything. And uh, I just feel sorry for the five truck fleet business, whether they're a trucking company or a business that happens to have their own trucks to do their own thing, um, being exposed to that. And we're finding more and more of those folks and their successor generation uh, is saying, I don't want that liability. It's just not worth it. I don't, I don't sleep well at night. I don't, I don't know what my driver does when he's not driving for me. It's hard enough to know what he's doing when he's driving for me. And, um, you know, how do you manage all that and how do you afford all that and then make a profit, which is what capitalism is all about. Thank goodness. Um, so we just want, we really just want to level the playing field. And what Steve has developed is an angle that businesses really that, that operate big trucks, commercial vehicles, haven't thought about before. How can I look at this stuff and use it and you know better position myself, not just from an image standpoint, but from a company culture standpoint, and get everybody more on the same page in terms of compliance and safety. Though knowing that accidents do happen, they're not intentional. And then when it does happen, be able to somehow show them that picture of your company uh, that you really do, you're trying to do your best. There's a, we talk a lot about strategy versus tactics. The reptile theory is a strategy. It, it, it's a book. It's, it's Don well thought out and, and well documented and taught. Trained. It, it, taught. Is, it is taught into these, you know, these new, newly minted graduates. Um, we don't do that. This industry is very tactical. We are good at it. We're good at all the compliance and the things we need to do juggling every day in our safety departments and our risk departments in compliance. But we don't have the strategy. We don't think that way, and we need to. It's been hard for small businesses to look down the road that far. And um, so it's for people like you and trade associations working with our friendly defense attorneys who see the abuses and you want to win for your clients, but you understand that you've got to get the best deal for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and we it's time to relevel it. Uh, it really is. It's, it's a shame, you know, but, but legislatures, publicly elected entities don't act until the house is on fire. And the house is on fire. Well, that's very good. Thank you guys for being here uh, today. I, uh, I, f- I found this conversation very interesting. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. You've been listening to The Legal Bench from the South Carolina defense firm Collins & Lacey. Learn more at collinsandlacey.com.